Hello and welcome to MORE, which stands for Midday Obviously Reads Everything. So, this is the podcast where I try my very best to finish The Hunger Games. As a self-proclaimed bookworm, it's kind of my duty. So join me and all of my guests as we try to read through the whole series. So sit back and relax as I do my best, my very, very, very best to read all of it. I hope I like it and I hope you like it too. So, let's begin. Let's begin. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're back. And not only are we back, we have a special guest here with us. Special guest, you want to introduce yourself? <laughs> nice to meet you, Sammy. To be here. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> for guests. Yes, I'm doing like a clapping thing with my like, I don't know, in what the index of middle finger. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So, welcome back to our reading of The Hunger Games. We are on page 98. No, sorry, 99. I just finished 98. That was when, like, she kissed uh, Peter on his uh, on his bruise. So, I, yeah. So, we're going to go from there. So, let's, let's begin. <laughs> okay. The training center has a tower designed exclusively for the tributes and their teams. This will be our home until the actual games begin. Each district has an entire floor. You simply step onto an elevator and press the number of your district. Easy enough to remember. I've ridden the elevator a couple times in the Justice Building back in District 12. Once to receive the medal for my father's death, then yesterday to say my final goodbyes to my friends and family. But that's a dark and creaky thing that moves like a snail and smells of sour milk. <laughs> nice description. Sour milk. LOL. <laughs> The walls of this elevator are made of crystal so that you can watch the people on the ground floor shrink to ants as you shoot up <laughs> into the air. It's exhilarating and tempted, and I'm tempted to ask Effie Trinket if we can ride it again, but somehow that seems childish. Apparently, Effie Trinket's duty did not conclude at the station. She and Haymitch will be overseeing us right into the arena in a way that's a plus because at least she can be counted on to corral us around the place on time whereas we haven't seen Hamish since he agreed to help us on the train probably passed out somewhere every trink on the other hand seems to be flying high well the first team she's ever chaperoned that made a splash on the opening ceremonies she's complimentary about not just our costumes but how we conducted ourselves and to hear her tell it Effie knows how everyone who's anyone in the capital has been taking us up all day trying to win us sponsors i've been very mysterious though she says her eyes squint half shut because, of course, Hamish hasn't bothered to tell me your strategies, but I've done my best with what I had to work with. How Katniss sacrificed herself for her sister, how you've both definitely struggled to overcome the barbarism? Barbarism? Where? It's like at the bottom here, like barbarism? 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 You guys go back to page 100. What's the bottom? The bottom. Not for what this word is. We're gonna just call it barbarism. Barbarism of your district. Barbarism. That's ironic coming from a woman helping us prepare for slaughter. 
And what she's basing a success on are table manners. Everyone has their reservations, naturally. You'll be seeing from the coal district that, uh, I'm just going off. I'm just, I'm saying whatever you want. <laughs> you, you being from the coal district, but ah, I said this was very clever of me. I said, well, if you put enough pressure on coals, it turns to pearls. Effie beams at us. Isn't it diamonds? It ain't pearl, is it? It's diamonds. Asterisk is up. It's, it's, this pressure on coals equals diamonds, not pearls. Pearls come from clams. Pearls come from clams. I think it should be diamonds. It should be diamonds. Homegirl messed up. Mm-mm. That's not good. Oh, oh, oh wait, hold on. We gotta keep going. <laughs> Effie, Effie beams at us so brilliantly that we have no choice but to respond enthusiastically to our cleverness, even though it's wrong. Coal doesn't turn to pearls, they grow in shellfish. Possibly she meant coals turn to diamonds. There we go. But that's untrue too. What? What do you mean that's untrue? Safari says it's true. It's Safari's lying to us then. That's crazy. Wait, diamonds are not made from coal? What? <laughs> oh my goodness. I just believed it because it like came up in yeah. the picture, but that's what it says. Oh my gosh. What? We we've, been, we've been played. We're like, oh my gosh, this book's wrong. No, the book's actually right. You just have to keep reading. Yeah, just keep reading. We're too excited. That's what it is. Okay. I've heard that they have some sort of machine in District 1 that can turn graphite into diamonds. Oh, I see. It's graphite. But we don't mind graphite in District 12. That's part of District 13's job until they're destroyed. How many districts are there? I just said that there was 12. But I think I was lying. There's There used to be 13. Oh. Right now, right now there's 12. Oh, I see. Okay. Until they were destroyed. Yeah, I should have finished reading. This we learned our lesson. <laughs> lesson. Let's, let's read it fully and then we start talking. I wonder if the people she's been plugging us to all day either know or care. Unfortunately, I can't steal the sponsor's deal for you. Only Hamish could do that, said Effie grimly. But don't worry, I'll get him on the table at gunpoint if necessary. Although lacking in many departments, Effie Trinket has a certain determination I have to admire. My quarters are larger than our entire house back home. They are plush like the train car, but also have so many automatic gadgets that I'm sure I won't have time to press all the buttons to. The shower alone has a panel with more than a hundred options. Goodness, that's too many. You can choose regulating water temperature, pressure, soap, shampoo, scents, oils, and massaging sponges. When you step out on a mat, heat heaters come out to blow dry your body. Instead of struggling with uh struggling with the knots in my wet hair, I merely place my hand on a box that sends a current through my scalp, untangling, parting, and drying my hair almost instantly. How interesting. It floats down around my shoulders in a glossy curtain. I program the closet for an outfit to my taste. The windows zoom in and out of parts of the city at my command. You need only a whisper, a type of food from a gigantic menu in a mouthpiece, and it appears hot and steamy before you in less than a minute. I walk around the room, eating goose liver and puffy bread until there's a knock on my door. Effie is calling me to dinner room. Good, I'm starving. Pita Cinnabon. <laughs> reference is named Cinna, but I'm just calling him Cinnabon because it reminds me of Cinnabon Place. So it's Cinnabon. It makes sense, duh. And Portia are standing out on a balcony that overlooks the Capitol uh, when we enter the building. I mean, the, the dining room. I'm glad to see the stylist, particularly after I hear that Haymitch will be joining us. A meal presided over by just Effie and Haymitch is bound to be a disaster. Besides, dinner isn't really about food. It's about planning out our strategies, and Cinnabon and Portia have already proven how valuable they are. A silent young man dressed in white tunic offers us steaming glasses of wine. Ain't you like 16? That's, that's kind of illegal. That's very illegal. Hmm. 
Thanksgiving. We're encouraging children to eat, I mean, uh, drink wine, substances. That's no bueno. It's giving illegal. Ooh, this ain't Europe. <laughs> yeah, right? Okay, Um, where was I? Seeming less of one. I think about turning it down, but I've never had one, except the homemade stuff my mother used for cough when I would get a, one, and when would I get a chance to try it again. Take a sip of the tart, dry liquid, and secretly think it could be improved with a few spoonfuls of honey. Hamish shows up just as dinner is beginning to be served. Looks like as if he's had his own silence because he's clean and groomed and about as sober as I've ever seen him. He hasn't refused the offer of wine, but when he starts on his soup, I realize it's the first time I've ever seen him eat. Maybe he really will pull himself together long enough to help us. Cinnabon and Portia seem to have a, a civilizing effect on Haymitch and Effie. At least they're addressing each other with, uh, more decently, and they both have nothing but praise for our stylist's opening act. While they make small talk, I concentrate on the meal. Mushroom soup, bitter greens with tomatoes the size of peas, rare roast beef sliced as thin as paper, noodles in a green sauce, cheese that melts on your tongue served with sweet blue grapes. The servers, all young people dressed in white tunics, like the ones uh, that gave the wine, move wordlessly to and from the table, keeping the, pla- the platters and glasses full. About halfway through my glass of wine, my head starts feeling foggy, so I change to water instead. I don't like the feeling, and I hope it wears off soon. How Hey Mitch can stand walking around like this full-time is a mystery. Try to focus on the walk, which has turned... Uh, oopsie. I had to focus on the talk, which has turned our interview costume, when a girl sets a gorgeous-looking cake on the table and definitely lights it. It blazes up, and then the flames flicker around the edge a while until uh, it finally goes out. A moment of doubt. What made it burn? Is it alcohol? I should look at the girl. That's the last thing I, I want. Oh, I know you. I can't place a name or time to the girl's face, but I'm certain of it. The dark red hair, the striking features, the porcelain white skin. Even as I utter the words, I feel my insides contract with anxiety and guilt at the sight of her. And while I can't pull to it, I know some bad memory is associated with her. The expression of terror that crosses her face only adds to my confusion and unease. She shakes her head in denial quickly and hurries away from the table. When I look back, all the four adults are watching me like hawks. Don't be ridiculous, Katniss. How could you possibly know an avox? Avox? Yeah. Oopsie. Yeah. yeah. A vox. Maybe. <laughs> a vox? Snaps Effie. The very thought. What's an avox? I ask stupidly. Someone who committed a crime. They cut her tongue so she can't speak, says Haymitch. She's probably a traitor of some sort. Not likely you'd know her. Oh no, I think you're right. I think it's... A vox? It's like something... It's fox. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay, well, we'll, we'll no. figure it out later. Yeah, yeah. Anyone who did is not to speak to one of them unless it's given an order, says Effie. Of course, she didn't really know her. But I do know her. And now that Hamish has mentioned it, the word traitor, I remember where. Disapproval is so high, I can never admit it. No, I guess not. I just, I stammered, and the wine is not helping. Peta snapped his finger. Deli Cartwright. That's who it is. I kept thinking she looked familiar as well. And I realized she's dead. She's a dead ringer for Deli. Dead ringer? Okay. Deli Cartwright is a pasty-faced, lumpy girl. Lump, Yeah, lumpy girl with yellowish hair that looks about as much as our server as a beetle does to a butterfly. She may also be the friendliest person on the planet. She smiles constantly at everybody in school, even me. Never seen a girl with red hair smile, but I jump on Peter's suggestion gratefully. Of course, that's what I was thinking of. I must be the hair. Something about the eyes, too, says Peter. And your tail relaxes. Oh, well, that's all, says Cinnabon. And yes, the cake has sprites in it, but all the alcohol has been burnt off. I ordered especially in honor of your fiery debut. 
We eat the cake and move into a sitting room to watch a replay of the opening ceremony that's being broadcast. To you, the other couples make a nice impression, but none of them can hold a candle to us. Even our own party without that. As this show is coming out of the remake center. Who the deal was it for the hand-holding? Asks Haymitch. Cinnabons, says Porches. Just the perfect touch of rebellion, says Haymitch. Very nice. Rebellion? I had to think about that one a moment. When I remember the other couple standing stiffly apart, never touching each other or acknowledging each other, as if their fellow tribute did not exist, as if the games had already begun. I know what Haymitch means. Sending ourselves not as an adversary, but as friends, has distinguished us as much as the fiery costumes. Tomorrow morning is the first training session. Maybe for breakfast, and I'll tell you exactly uh, how I want to, you to play it, says Hamish to Peta and me. Now go get some sleep while the grown-ups talk. Peta and I walk to- together towards the corridor of our rooms. When we get to my door, he leans against the frame, not blocking my entrance exactly, but insisting I pay him attention. So, Deli Cartwright, imagine finding her lip light here. He's asking for an explanation. I'm tempted to give him one. We both know he covered for me. So here I am in his debt again. I tell him the truth about the girl somehow that might even things out. How can it hurt, really? Even if he repeated the story, it couldn't do me much harm. It was just something I witnessed, and he lied as much as I did about Deli Cartwright. Really, I do want to talk to somebody about the girl, someone who might be able to help me figure out her story. Gail would be my first choice, but it's unlikely I'll ever see Gail again. Try to think of telling Gail. I mean, Steve. You know, Steven. Steve. Stevie, Steve, Steve. Try to think of telling Peta could give uh, him any possible advantage over me, but I don't see how. Ugh. Maybe sharing a uh, confidence. <laughs> that was such a long. Uh, maybe sharing a confidence will actually make him believe uh, I see him as a friend. Besides, the idea of the girl with her maimed tongue frightens me. She has reminded me of why I'm here. Not to be a model of flashy costumes and eat delicacies, but to die a bloody death while the crowds urge on my killer. <clears throat> To tell or not to tell, my brain still feels slow from the wine. I stare down at the empty corridor as if the decision lies there. Peter picks up from my hesitation. Have you been on the roof yet? I shake my head. Cinnabon showed me. You can practically see the whole city. The wind's a bit loud, though. Kind of this into No one will hear us overhear us talking in my head. You do have the sense that we might be under surveillance here. Can we just go up? Sure. Come on, says Peter. Follow him to a flight of stairs that leads up to the roof. Uh, there's a small dome-shaped room with a door to the outside. As we step into the cool, windy evening air, I catch my breath at the view. The Capitol twinkles like a vast field of fireflies. Electricity in District 12 comes and goes. Usually we only have it for a few hours a day. Often the evenings are spent in candlelight. <clears throat> the only time you can count on it is when they're airing the games or some important government message on television that it's mandatory to watch. But here there would be no such shortage, ever. Peta and I walk to a railing at the edge of the roof. I look straight down at the side of the building to the street, which is buzzing with people. You can hear their cars and the occasional shout and a strange metallic tinkling in, dis- uh, ooh, tinkling. in District 12, we'd all be thinking about bed right now. I asked Cinnabon why they let us up here. Weren't they worried that some of the tribunes might decide to jump over the side? What do you say, I asked. You can't, says Peta. He holds out his hand in a seemingly empty space. There's a sharp zap and he jerks it back. Some kind of electricity feels throw you back on the roof. I was worried about our safety, I say. Even though Cinnabon has shown Peta the roof, I wonder if we're supposed to be up here so late and alone. Never seen tribute on a train center roof before, but that doesn't mean we're not being uh, taped. Do you think that they're watching us now? Maybe, he admits. Come see the garden. (laughs) I don't know what's going on with me right now. Anyway. Kombucha. Yeah, let's take a quick kombucha break. My guest, please say something while I take a kombucha break. I'm going to choke on my kombucha. What kind of buble? It's raspberry. Wow. Buble. Bubbly. Okay, back to my kombucha break. 
Let's continue. <laughs> am I back? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where am I? <clears throat> On the other side of the dome, they built a garden with flower beds and potted trees. From the branch hang hundreds of wind chimes, which account for the tinkling I heard. Here in the garden, on this windy night, is enough to drown out two people who are trying not to be hurt. Peter looks at me expectantly. Pretend to examine a blossom. We were hunting in the woods one day, hidden, waiting for a game, I whisper. You and your father? He whispered back. No, me and my friend Gail. Suddenly, all the birds stopped singing at once, except one, as if it was giving a warning call. And then we saw her. I'm sure it was the same girl. A boy was with her. Their clothes were tattered. They had dark circles under their eyes from no sleep. They're running as if their lives depended on it, I say. For a moment, I'm silent, as I remember how the sight of this strange pair, clearly not from District 12, fleeing through the woods, immobilized us. Later, we wondered if we could have helped them escape. Perhaps we might have, we might have concealed them if we'd moved quickly. Gail and I were taken by surprise. Yes, we were both hunters. We know how animals look at bay. We knew the pair was in trouble as soon as we saw them, but we only watched. The hovercraft appeared out of nowhere, I continued to Peta. I mean, one moment the sky was empty and the next... There it was. It didn't make a sound, but they saw it. Annette dropped down on the girl and carried her up so fast, like the elevator. They shot They shot some sort of spear through the boy. Dang. It was attached to a cable, and they hauled him up as well. I'm certain he was dead. We heard the girl scream once. The boy's name, I think. Then it was gone. The hovercraft vanished into thin air, and the birds began to sing again as if nothing had happened. Did they see you? Peter asked. I don't know. We were under a shelf of rock, I reply. But I do know. There was a moment after the bird call, but before the hovercraft, where the girl had seen us. She locked eyes with us and called out for help, but neither Gail or I responded. You're shivering, says Peta. The wind of the story had blown all the warmth from my body. The girl screamed. Had it been her last? Peta takes off his jacket and wraps it around my shoulders. I started to take a step back, but then I let him, deciding for a moment to accept both his jacket and his kindness. Friend would do that, right? They were from here, he asked, and he secured the button on my neck. <clears throat> I nod. They had the capital look about them, the boy and the girl. Where do you suppose they were going? He asked. I don't know that. I say, District 12 is pretty much the end of the line. Beyond us, there's only wilderness, if you don't count the ruins of District 13 that still smother from the toxic bombs. They show it on television occasionally just to remind us, or why do they leave here? Haymitch had called the Avoxes traitors. Against what? It could only be the capital, but they had everything here. No cause to rebel. I'd leave here, Peter blurts out, and he looks around nervously. It was loud, <clears throat> loud enough to hear above the chimes. He laughed. I'd go home now if they let me, but you have to admit, the food's prime. He's covered, that's like saying the fruit, the food's, um, prime, that's like saying the food's bussin'. Like, it's bussin'. I'm like, who let them cook? That's what I'm here for. Yeah, that's what you have, that's what you're paying me for. Actually, I'm not getting paid for anything right now, but lunch break. He's covered again. If that's all you'd hear, it would sound like the words of a scared tribute, but not someone contemplating the unique, the unquestionable goodness of the Capitol. Getting chilly, we better go in, he says. Inside the dome is warm and bright. Tone and conversational. Your friend Gail, he's the one who took your sister away at the reaping. Yes, do you know him? No, not really. I heard the girls talk about him a lot. I thought he was your cousin or something. You favor each other, he says. No, we're not related, I say. Peter nods, unreadable. Did he come to say goodbye to you? Yes, I say, observing him carefully. So did your father. He brought me cookies. Peter raised his eyebrows at this news, but after watching him lie so smoothly, I didn't give this much weight. Really? Well, he likes you and your sister. I think he wishes he had a daughter instead of a house full of boys. This idea that I might ne Ooh, oh my gosh. <laughs> the idea that I might ever have been discussed on the dinner table at the bakery fire just in passing in Peter's house gives me a start. It must have been when his mother was out of the room. You knew your mother from when they were kids, says Peter. That was surprising. Probably true. Oh yeah, she grew up in town. I say it seems. Oh.
Anyway, oh, yeah, she grew up in town, I say. It seems impolite to say that she never mentioned the baker except to compliment his bread. We're at my door. I give back a jacket. See you in the morning, then. See you, he says, and walks down the hall. When I open my door, the red-haead girl is collecting my unitard and the boots from where I left them on the floor. On my shower, I want to apologize for possibly getting her in trouble earlier, but I remember I'm not supposed to speak to her unless I'm given an order. Oh, sorry, I say. I was supposed to get those back to Cinnabon. I'm sorry. Can you take the, these to him? Where's my eyes? Gives me a small nod and heads out the door. I'd set out to hear... I don't... I, uh, 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 I'd, I'd set out to tell her I was sorry about dinner, but I know that my apology runs much deeper, and I'm ashamed I never tried to help her in the woods, that I let the Capitol kill the boy and mutilate her without lifting a finger. Just like I was watching the games. I kick off my shoes and climb under the covers of my of my clothes. Of my clothes? of my clothes. The shivering hasn't stopped. Perhaps the girl doesn't even remember me, but I know she does. You don't forget the face of the person who was your last hope. I pull the covers over my head as if this will protect me from the redhead girl who can't speak, but I can feel her eyes staring at me, piercing through the walls, the doors, and the bedding. I wonder if she'll enjoy watching me die. Wow. That's crazy. So, we just finished chapter 6. We are now in chapter 7, page 116. That's it for today, I think. Yeah. Thanks for including me. Though. Thanks for coming, Sam. We're so glad to have you on the podcast. Um, you're always welcome. So maybe next Tuesday. Maybe next Tuesday. We'll see how. Maybe every Tuesday <laughs> up until like, the end of summer. So we'll see how the cards play out. But I think uh, the pace we're going, we can finish this book. Oh. I think if I read every day with like my guests of the day, my special guests every day, I think we can finish the book. Bye. Oh no, I get such a It'll be a surprise who's coming tomorrow. They're very awesome. They're all they're all amazing human beings and all amazing to be around. I do because I'm we a movie watcher. Yeah. They don't want to be I I never seen anything of it. But yes. So thank you again for topping into my podcast. Um we'll be updating this uh daily, I think, probably daily. We're going to try daily anyway, so we'll see how that works. But yeah, thank you very much, and we'll see you in the next one. Peace. Peace. <laughs> okay, and done. That's it. We got pretty far for today, so I can't wait for the next one. And if I said something wrong, which let's be honest, I probably did, don't hesitate to point it out to me because honestly, if you can't laugh at yourself, who are you actually supposed to laugh at? Am I right? Yeah. Okay, then I'll see you in the next one. Midday out.